the sheep of his right hand, the sheep of his right hand. How many of you want to, how many of you want the word of the Lord this morning? Still here and listen for a little bit more. How many of you want the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. I like that. Well, I can tell you, he's the one that gives it, right? We just got to be the ones to listen. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you for today. We really, truly do get to enter into your presence. Lord, uh, I'm grateful for the open invitation. You said, everyone that hungers and thirsts, they can come. Without money and without price, Lord. We're always talking about the cost, and Lord, we don't realize that the cost is the, the surrender, the yieldedness, to give to you. So Jesus, I really want to pray, Lord, out of this, the sheep of your right hand, Lord, we are called to be the sheep of your right hand. That whatever we're doing, Lord, that we're connected to your will, to your heart, to your mind, and to your ways in us. Father, we want our spirit enlivened with your spirit in us to lead us and guide us in all that we do. Father, I want to pray that there would be a baptism of encouragement over this church. Lord, over everybody here, God. Lord, would you graciously make this sermon find its way into somebody's house. Lord, somebody's life that needs to hear this, Lord, beyond this service. God, I pray for the anointing and the blessing to be able to speak openly. Father, I pray that you would allow me to step outside of my weaknesses and experience your strength, your omnipotent power to be truly anointed for this part. God, I can't think of anything that's more ideal and necessary and important to us than to hear the word of the Lord this morning. God, would you speak to us your word? Lord, everybody individually, every single one would have you speak into their life today that you did not get this from man, that this was my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. Lord, behind the words that I speak, I believe, Lord, are the very words of the Father to every heart. Personally, Lord, I pray that everybody will be revived, Lord, to spread the gospel this week, to share the good news, Lord, that their feet would be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And Lord, with this joy to bring it out. Lord, the fulfillment of how it's brought, Lord, deliverance to us. And Lord, we would not want to see our fellow man broken down and in misery beyond the recognition of the gospel. We have experienced that freedom in our lives. So Jesus, a baptism of recognition and pour out your spirit on us. Lord, fill us to overflowing. We love you today, Jesus. Thank you for the grace in this hour of need. Lord, I, I am so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you. I need you. We need you to, I need you to speak it. We need you for us to hear it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. I say t- turn, and for some of you it'll be like flip or uh, scroll or however, but get to Matthew 25 if you will, please. And we're going to read from verses 31 through 46. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Now I've mentioned many times, if there's something that is said that you want me to pause and re-say that again, Lift your hand, shout, you know, let me know that you want me to so that you can write it down if those of you who are taking notes. I want you to be able to, I want you to drink in the Word of God. 
and if there's something that's said that really penetrates and speaks to you, feel free to do so. It's not going to stop or interrupt, I think, what the Lord is doing through it. So 25, verses 31 through 46. Actually, I'm sorry, through 45. And when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. And all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will, shed, uh, sorry, he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. That deserves a shout of praise. Amen. Then he will say also to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it. To me, I've been spending the last couple of weeks personally meditating on the thought of being rich in good works, the thought of being uh, busy about doing much for the sake and the service of Jesus, wanting encouraged more to do it than I ever was, and wanting more of the Lord's blessing and His anointing and His call and His draw into it. Like, more so. And I, I want the thrill to rise in my soul like never before. And so I feel like this pull in that direction. I'm constantly sensing that. And it seems like as that happens, week after week and time after time, day after day, hour after hour, different times, it just feels like there's like this, this um, uh, inspiration 
something that the Lord draws, sometimes a truth that He puts in my heart to be there. And so, because of that, this scripture is really starting to, this and many other scriptures are speaking to me on just that subject. I think a little bit about strangers. So we talk about a stranger, somebody that's unknown to us, somebody that we're not familiar with. And, you know, truth be told, a lot of strangers are people that we, we are around daily, but we just don't know them. We haven't reached out. They haven't reached out to us. How many of you are like social butterflies out there? How many just like to get... I see a few hands, right? And I see a few people saying, I'm not sure. Yes, the not sures, you are definitely a social butterfly. <laughs> I love the folks that can do that because you can reach out, you can talk to anybody. I have especially loved over the years that piece of my wife of... Uh, I, the challenge has been sometimes to be able to leave or go out the door or exit at, at what we feel like is the time. But what I've really loved the most is that I've seen her reach out to anybody at any time, start a conversation with them. The other day I was in conversation with somebody, and I would say that it's very, very common and very rare that it's not somebody who's met her would say um, she is. There's she's she's just so. Um, what was the word that I had said? Now I'm trying to remember the very thought of that, but it was uh, how sweet she is, how kind and tender and tender-hearted. And, and you know that. How many of you, I'm not going to ask your hands, but how many of you know that? Like, I've been around her. I've, I've had her minister to me specifically. So when I say that, I've seen it for my own, and I'm like, she makes up the difference, right? Like, there's things about me, I'm just not that quality of a guy. And, and I... I want that. I see that and I, and I piece that. So strangers need somebody that will minister to them. And none of us, most of us are uncomfortable outside of our field. You ask me to go into an audience or in a group or a situation, especially me, but even if I'm feeling like I'm a little bit more social on that day, it's hard to reach out to people you don't know. But I want to encourage you, even though it's a struggle, please keep doing your best to do so. People need us in their life. And you know what? Some of your best friends were people you met, right? They, like It didn't just happen. They drop out of the sky and you guys became friends. You met one another. You talked to each other. You found those parts of life that were familiar. And then you begin to realize, hey, this isn't a stranger, so to speak, to me. This is somebody I relate well with. It shows that God's love. So this scripture that we read, these verses, show us that God's love is practical and something for everyone that we should do. It's practical. This is what God wants us to do. It's not something that He wants us to step back from. So think about people in need. And, and all of us are probably, we're probably overwhelmed with the needs in front of us. If we really think about people in need, and hopefully we're not so consumed with our own that we don't meet somebody in theirs. Like, I got needs. And we do. Like, we have different needs. We have needs for help. We need needs for fellowship. I have so many projects that are sitting on the shelf that I look at and I'm like, I think I'm going to grow old. I think I'll make it to the grave and I'll never get that done. I should just throw it away. I should sell it. I'm not going to get to it. But somehow I keep telling myself one day, one day. And that day may never come. But the reality is that even though I have that and you have that, we still have to slow down enough to step into somebody else's world. 
You have to get into their world. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. When you come in front of a stranger, when you've done this to me, you, when you've done it to them, you've done it to me. We'll come into that here in a minute. Look at this verse in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16-19. through 19. I'm not saying anything that we don't already know, but I think that there's, there's one thing about knowing is another thing just moving forward. Again, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16-19. through 19. Anybody need a repeat? Just by chance? Let's get there. Amen. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. This is John is famous for his love and how he talks about love and the very practical sense in which he brings it to his audience. Are you guys there? Say amen if you're there. Good. So those of you who didn't, I'm just going to go on without you. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. We ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, big question mark here, big, big question mark, how does the love of God abide in him? If God's asking you this question, it's a question that doesn't, you don't want to miss this one. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so let's not just say it in mouth. Let's not just say I intended to, I wanted to. Let's actually make, put action to our heart's desire. In deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before God. So sometimes we lack that assurance and that struggle. And why? Where, it might be that some of us have said verbally committed to things that we never in action put into, and so we, we miss the mark. And so here we're seeing this, that love never really translates until it becomes a deed in so many ways. It's how I operated, what I did with that. And so we see this as, this must be, the heart of God. And we see it painted through the Scriptures so that we understand this is the drive where God wants us to go. As busy as you are, or maybe as lack of busy as you are. Like some of us, the goal of life is to find the way to just get away from busyness. Like, let's, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I wouldn't have some joy in being a hermit in the woods at times. But no matter what stage you're in, you're never going to get past this. You're not going to get past the fact that even if it's uncomfortable, all the reasons why it just I'm not sure if I can do this, um, I stammer, I struggle. There's always practical ways in that we can honestly love people indeed. It's not always in conversation. Some of us are not converse, conversational pieces, but we are definitely servants in an amazing ways. I can say that I have watched this congregation I have watched so many of you on so many different levels, and I just want to say I'm encouraged because it doesn't take a large number to do a great amount of work. It just takes those who are together of one mind and one heart to do amazing things. And I've been ministered to by it. We shared just a little bit earlier um, and I, in my time of prayer. Father-in-law, you guys had ministered. Um, Joseph and Amy had been there for us. Tina had reached out to us. Some of the others of you had. I knew that we had, we had at our, our at our arms 
anybody and everybody, if we had said we need something, you would have been there. You would have been there. You've shown us that quality. And we have, uh, we have many times gotten back from you. You have shown that same quality back to us. And so we are no strangers to one another the more we've done that for one another. And I want to say I, uh, I'm humbled, and yet at the same time I'm inspired by what I've seen in the congregation through that. Um, so we see this piece of this is where we assure our hearts before God. So here's another question. What would you do differently? I've asked this before, but I'm going to say it again. What would you do differently if the people around you were actually Jesus? Just ask yourself the question, what would I do differently? See, Jesus made a statement to us. He said, love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you and persecute you. And you know, it, uh, the longer you're around <laughs> the social media atmosphere, what it is is just the opposite. They tell you when somebody is going to speak nasty to you, push them away. If somebody is going to use you and abuse you, have nothing to do with them. And Jesus makes a statement that just, like, how do we take what Jesus said in a world that's like, I'm not, I'm not a, a carpet for people to walk on. I'm not meant to be hurt and abused. I think Jesus delivered those words because he knew that if you held on to him truly, if your spirit was enlivened by his spirit, that nobody can truly abuse you. Now, that doesn't mean that physical abuse doesn't happen in those cases. But what I mean is inwardly, nobody can uh, manage your soul and run your inward person and keep you captive through what they've done over the, uh, the way they've talked to you or how they've treated you. And so this is not to push aside those bigger issues of um, abuse and where they lie, but it's actually to show that the challenge to us is this, how do we love our enemies? How do we take the words of Jesus and live it in our culture? A culture that isn't telling us to do just the opposite of what Jesus said. And in effect, in order to do it, I have to be deeper, I have to be so deeply tied to God in spirit that I am not lost by this need to protect myself. Now, if God isn't protecting, if God can't do it, how can you do it? Like if we can't trust it into him, if we can't put it into his hands, how can I manage this? Like, I'm going to have bombardment of people having their expectations, and whether they've personified them to me or I thought that they were, there's always going to be something that's going to feel like I don't manage this well on my own. So the Holy Spirit ministers to us through the Word of God. You spend that time in there, and I know you guys do. You spend time reading through the Word, and God is personally challenging you and convicting you in areas where you want to have bitterness or hold somebody at prejudice because of something that was done to you personally. And so because you don't break free from that, you don't know how through good deeds and the good things done to them to break the walls of partition between the two of you. And even if walls aren't broken, to manage to invite the gospel reality that my enemy is going to face God's judgment, not mine. So there's a beautiful part to actually letting the Lord have His place in our life. Familiarity. So speaking of this, uh, missing something here. Familiarity. Uh, give me a second. I'm just looking this over.
Oh, so when, when it comes to relationships with people that we don't know, the ignorance is often what's separating us. The separation is because of what I don't know. So the more I know about you, the more I spend in your circle of life, then I'm not ignorant anymore. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge this thought of the people that are around you or in your life. I want to challenge you on the thought there's a lot of things going on in people that you don't know them very well. And because you're ignorant of what's going on in their life, Ignorance is one of our greatest uh, enemies because I feel free, personally this is true, I feel free to not be there for somebody that I don't know. I'm ignorant of what's going on. So I feel like I'm free. Actually, I don't feel like there's any moral responsibility if I don't know what's going on. So it's, it's easier to feel conscious free or conscious free of guilt if I'm not aware of your circumstances. Now, if I'm naturally an introvert and I don't want to talk or I don't feel like getting those out, whatever the case is, I've got two very difficult pieces to put together when, I'm, when you're taking into framework what Jesus just said. So again, now think about this. Are you ignorant to Jesus' needs? Jesus needs somebody to be by his bed this week because he's sick. Jesus needs somebody to come and bring them money or food because they're hungry. Jesus needs somebody to be there just to bring some enjoyment or some happiness or friendship into life. So Jesus is representing everybody that we look in that sense. That's what Jesus was saying. So if you looked at it like that and you stopped and thought, Okay, so my ignorance of Jesus is keeping me from serving Him today. My ignorance is not bliss when it comes to people who are strangers in my life. It's actually not doing me a service to be not knowledgeable here. If what Jesus is saying is true, that there's sheep on His right hand and there's sheep on His left hand, then the sheep on His left hand are probably going to be known because of the ignorance that they have of the people that they should be serving. They should be there for. And so, you know, when you've lost a family member, I remember when my dad died. I remember walking out of that hospital room for me with the, a sorrow that I have never felt in my life. I finally had to say my final goodbye to my dad. And I struggled with looking at the... I remember we finally had to leave the hospital we're going back into Spokane, and just like the city, the people, everything around me, and the impression I had was, it's like, I don't, what is wrong with this world? What is, and I knew that was not really true, but it was like, they don't know what just, what just happened. They don't know of this, this man that's important to me because he was special to me, because I knew him, because I was deeply acquainted with my father, but your father, would feel differently if he died. But he wouldn't feel differently if I knew your father. If I had spent time with him, if he had become a deep and personal friend to me. And so, yes, we probably don't, the truth is we don't have the capacity on a human level to know everybody on a deep level.
But what we do have is the ability to stop ignoring the people around us just because we're busy. We got things going on. We got stuff to do. The challenge is to get out there and to get to know people. I was blessed uh, yesterday with Joseph because uh, I, I was helping him while the wives were gone from my father-in-law. But one of the things that had happened was, and I'd watched him do this, was uh, we went to the service station to look for some slushies for the girls, and they were closed. So um, he started headed back home, and he'd offered sherbet. And then on the way, he was like, wait a second, let's turn over the ice cream truck, the one that's just starting new in town. Let's go over to the ice cream truck. And so we're driving over to the ice cream truck, and, uh, and it's closed. And I'm like, James would have... Just like, oh, it's closed, let's not bother me. He saw the girls in there, and like they were like interested, they were just doing whatever, but they weren't, you know, open for business, so to speak. And he walks around to the front of the truck and walks around to the side of the truck and finally kind of looks through the window. And I don't know, I can't remember if you knocked or not, but finally got their attention, and she opened the door. And I was like, this inviting personality just, it was like they said, you know what, we're not ready to serve anybody else, but we'll serve you. And what I saw in him was this. I saw that he was willing to like go the distance and like, you know what, maybe they'll, you know what, this is for my girl. And uh, that ministered to me. And I, I want to, I I'm saying that because I think that that's sometimes where we miss the mark. We're like, that person looks like they're closed for business. Did you just ask them how they're doing? Did you just try to get in conversation? Well, you might be surprised. So I'm only admonishing us in areas where we're pretty well aware of, but we all struggle with, for sure, when it comes down to it. And uh, I think that they served us and they were blessed at the same time. Jesus makes the statement, is as much as you have done, capture that. Capture that piece. In as much as you've done. Isn't that awesome? So it's like whatever, wherever you've actually ministered to somebody, You've put your life out there. Don't think it was in vain. See, God embraces and acknowledges every act and expression of love. God embraces and acknowledges. Imagine you're finally on that day. You've died. Your spirit is now separated from your body. And you are now in the presence of God. You're in the presence of God. Wouldn't you like to have this list? Wouldn't you love to know that you spent your life loving Jesus one person at a time? Over and over and over again. Different people, different faces, different reactions, different scenarios, different situations, different phone calls, you know, different different times, right? And, And how many of us will... I, I, I believe that none of us are going to feel like or our greatest regrets are um, looking back on life at that moment. Looking back on that on your life at that moment and now saying, seeing all the gaps. This is the gaps of where I could have served. This is the gap where I could have put my time into this person's life. I could have, I could have made my treasure about the things of Jesus and the people all around me. Whether they receive Jesus or not, I could have just put my life there. But instead I instead I think about the instead of. Look at what I put my life into. Was it worth it? 
Was it a value? Should I have? In light of eternity, in light of looking at the kingdom of God, in the light of His face, should I have? And so we look at what our life has really been about and remember the words. Remember the words of James who said, your life is like a vapor that appears for a short time and then vanishes away. It just vanishes away. It's just a vapor. Well, in this vapor, and I, this has been my prayer for uh, a few years, of God, help me spend this vapor well. God, help me live this vapor well in my time. And I've never walked away. You know, I've had times when I felt hurt by or even abused by somebody who used me in my gift of giving. But I'm going to tell you this, still from my point of view, this is James saying it, I'm still glad I did it. I'm still glad I did it. Because there's something about something that's broken inside of them that maybe one day they'll recall what was done through me. One act of kindness, one act that I will never forget all of my life was there was when I was in high school. I think I've told you guys this before, but I don't know. Maybe some of you missed it. Maybe you don't remember it. I hope so. Like it'll be the first time for you. You'll be like, oh, yeah. He never told me this before. I like only said it five times. But I remember this in high school. There was I, I was a Bible about this big. How many, how many of you were in high school and you saw students, or maybe you were one of the students, and they actually brought their Bible, their like their study Bible, and they brought it with them to school and they set it on their desk in the public school. How many have been around that? Are you kidding me? Like nobody in here has ever seen that? Well, I was one of those guys. <laughs> I was one of those guys, and I carried my Bible, and I want to design some Christian t-shirts for myself because I don't see enough of them. I'm sure there's some of them out there, and I haven't really explored it, but I always had the big letters. I think I shared this with you before, like all good people go to heaven. Not, you know, just because they're being good doesn't mean they've been washed of their sins and made right with God. And I had like part of that was hot pink. I think the knot was in hot pink and it was a black shirt. It was so obvious. <laughs> and I wanted to, to, the message to be clear and obvious in the moment. But the reason I'm saying that is because it, I stood out. This one girl, when I'd come into the class or I was coming into school, she would say things. She would either use dirty language or she'd say something that was profane that she knew that would be pen, tried to penetrate me. And so that had happened a lot of times. And, and when we were sitting in one of our classes, she was in one of my classes, a home ec class, and she sat at a different table and I sat at a different table. Well, one day I ended up at her table. And while I was at her table, she was across the table from me and she was asking her friend if he would give her 50 cents. And he wouldn't do it. Not going to happen. And I took... I had a dollar on me, and I'm surprised I probably did, but I had a dollar, and I, I pushed it over to her, and I said, this is from the Lord. And you, it was like she had turned white. She's like she just didn't understand that. I have been trying to gouge you, and now you're... She didn't want to take the money, but I wouldn't take it back. Well, the fast forward the story, and I, I don't know, but it was probably at least five years after that or longer, we were not in school anymore. I was at a different event, and I was with some friends, and she was talking to some of those friends. And she made the statement that was related back to me was this. I wished I had never said anything against him or said anything bad to him. 
One dollar. One act of kindness to somebody that was tried to penetrate with. I learned something from that. And I think the value of what Jesus is saying is right there. If we stop letting the offense of what people do to us stop us from being good and showing the glory of God, and we let that become a testimony that resonates with them, they will for the rest of their life. I don't know, but I could imagine that maybe one day she stepped her foot into church and Christianity was redefined at that moment for her. I could imagine that being the case. But whether that ever happens or not, I will never miss that moment. I will be eternally glad the rest of my life to be able to say, I don't know, Lord, but I hope that one's on the list. I hope that one's on your list. And would you just fill a few more blanks in there because that encourages me to remember that moment because I'm going to need to, right? I'm going to need to remember that moment somewhere else down the road. Same thing for many of you. I could share some testimonies about some selflessness that kind of off into this corner here too, but some selflessness and ministry and life that many of you are not aware of, but I know the story of, and that makes what I did then look like it was so worth it. Thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you for giving of yourself. Thank you for when it never went to me, but it went to somebody who needed it. I'm so grateful for those testimonies for Jesus. Uh, let's go further here. <laughs> so when God says, inasmuch as you have done, this shows us what God would, what God God's world looks like and what matters the most to Him. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in Him. What a tremendous word. What a, a tremendous scripture. If we just abide in love, we abide in God. Those two are always combined. There's not a selfishness involved in this relationship. So I've said this before also. God expects you to use whatever is at your fingertips. If you got money, use the money. If you don't got money, then don't use it. Like it's not like you're you're accountable for something you don't have. You're only accountable. Joseph, again, last week when we were praying, he made a statement that caught me, and he said when Jesus was having the fishes and loaves, that he wasn't concerned about what they didn't have. He was only dealing with what they did have. And I was like, Lord, I needed that. I needed to hear that. It's not, you know, you may say, I just don't have a dime to my name. I don't have much of anything. You're still blessed. Jesus made it really plain. He's like, the widow woman that dropped in her last might and all the rich people that were there. Like, he's like, when the kingdom of God is all revealed and you all get to stand before me on that list, you're going to be on the upper part of the giving side. But I gave so little. No, you gave from so sacrificially. And so when you think about that, it's like, honestly, when you don't have much, when you give, you give much. You're given and you're a blessing with what you have. But look at so many lives and so many people that I can't touch and so many places and areas where it's not, I'm not available to be able, my limitation is keeping me from what I see as the, the immense sea of people out there who could use help. And yet, because you use what you have, that's all that God requires. You just live and give with all of your heart. Truth be told, none of us truly give of all of we have, but we give a part of it. It just depends on how much we would. 
So I want to say this is one of the things I've noticed is from you guys, and I, I need to share this with you because this is the heart of the pastor, is there has been, um, not just in money financially, but I want to say in many different ways, this is not me shooting for tithes or offerings, it's me saying you guys give abundantly and it's really shown. And we want to feed and touch people through that. I'm just thankful for what you've done. I want to share with you, I'm in great gratitude and humbled by the gift, the hearts given through the money and the part of this ministry because we want to do the Lord's work well. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your gifts and your heart behind everything that you've given. I know some of you have not had lots to give, but you've given anyway. I know that there was times when you were like, this was my, this was my money that was supposed to go to a gift that was given to me, and I gave. I, and I don't take that lightly, and I'm not asking for that. Listen to me, I'm not asking for you to give in that way. But when you do, when you give from sacrifices, I, I don't want to take that lightly. I don't want to take any dime that you've given to the glory of God and take it lightly. So I want to share back with you from the heart of the pastor. Thank you for just being faithful to Jesus. Thank you for letting that shine into other people's lives and avenues. Anytime we bless somebody, and see, this is the hard part of ministry. The hard part of ministry is to take what God has given through you guys and us be the ones that delivered it. I want you to deliver it. I want you to take the meal to somebody. I want you to take that sacrifice and give it to somebody. I want you to see the gladness on their face. I want you to ex experience the welcome into their life like we do when we get a gift. That means so much to them. The tears that pour down somebody's eyes as they're realizing, I needed this and you came at the most. You're the one who gave that gift. I'm not, I'm, it's out of my hand, but you gave the gift. And these are the words of Jesus is, that you may not have been the one that delivered it, but you gave it. You gave it. And Jesus is looking with pleasure on you and saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, before you ever made it there, you've already, you've already set the groundwork for Jesus to make the statement when you get there. He's already ready to do so. We have the other piece to this, and it's just, as much as you have not done. So God discloses His real feelings and concerns for our omissions. I don't want to get heavy on this, but I want to make it known. It's, it is heavy. When you read about it in the Bible, it's a heavy place. In James chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Christian or not, to him it is sin. You know to do good and you don't, it's sin. So here's a few statements I want to make just to highlight this thought. Our right to choose will never trump our duty to simple acts of love. There are points along the way of life when we neglect to do our part often enough that we can distort forgiveness as an alternative to faithfulness. If we do it long enough, we can begin to think that forgiveness is an alternative to being faithful. Just remember that finally, God, we have to give a final account. There's a final accountability. We may feel like in this moment, my conscience doesn't reproach me, but in that uh, context, it might. So remember this, there are no redos. We don't get a chance to redo life. We don't get a chance to go back and buy time. We either have to do it right now or we don't get it. So getting it right the first time is generally a matter of sincerity. You know, there's a lot of times I think, I wanted to do it, but was I sincere enough in that I actually would have done it? And the 
the only getting one opportunity as much as we can expect most of the time. We don't usually get a second chance. Now, there's a lot of people that are closer to us where we do, but a lot of people, when we're talking about strangers, you don't get a second chance to filter into their life. Take your chance now. Don't miss the opportunity because you don't get to redo it. And ignorance will not pardon us from duty. I didn't know. I didn't realize. I want to share with you a tragedy that had happened in a church that I was aware of. There was a man and his wife in a church. I don't want to go into the details. And, um, and it's not here in this circle. And it's not even in this county. So you, you can't even guess it, okay? Just telling you. Um, but I remember the sorrow of this was this individual, this man was, he always looked like everything, like he was studying well, he was well-learned in Scripture, he was well-learned in the Bible. Well, eventually it transferred over to um, an adulterous relationship. But you know what I looked back on thinking what was bothering me the most? It wasn't his sin and what he did. What was bothering me is the fact that I could look back and think about how little time I spent with him. How little time I actually nudged and asked him the questions that I probably should have. How are you doing? What's going on in life? Just get a little bit closer to the reality of what's probably behind the scenes. I never made an opportunity to get to hear him, to catch him a little bit earlier. So most of our tragedies that happen is because we waited too long, because we let our ignorance become the pathway for somebody else's sin. And that is another one of those I don't feel like I want. I don't want to face Jesus with. See, even when somebody else has done wrong, you can always look back on what could I have done. And what you could have done is not always what you should have done, but you can always still remember that piece to it. Forgiveness is not a license for neglect. You know, I heard this a long time ago. It's always bothered me better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Like, I, I, I don't know. How many of you practice that? Don't do that. Don't. I, I don't want I, I know the temptation. Just believe me. I understand the, like, the real struggle of I'd rather have gotten my way and then afterwards say I'm sorry than I would do like, uh, would, it, would it be all right with you if? Because I'm almost certain to get a no. <laughs> you know, I don't want the no. But that's the problem we have a lot of times when it comes to these things. Is that by living our life for us fixed in our interests and things, I'm not telling you not to have a piece of life where you're taking care of your own interests. Just don't keep overemphasizing it. Don't keep overdoing it. And the piece to that is, is that you're not going to finally, when you look at Jesus in the eye, I don't think this is going to go to the place of, oh, I, I didn't know. Did you forgive me, Lord? We wait too long before we start reckoning with some of those deeper realities. So what we really need to do is right now, do I want to step before Jesus and ask for forgiveness? Or do I want to live a life of getting his permission? Lord, help me, permit me. Here's one other piece I want to do is, is I believe that God's miracles are tied into, God's miracles are tied into people who are looking for his will and things. So for instance, this, you may not have much to do or to be able to give to somebody. You're like, I have a little bit of time here and I have a little bit of time there. But what if you do this? What if you do this? 
Before you go do that, or even while you're going to go do it, you, you, you take some time to pray about it. You say, Lord, I don't feel like I have much to give right now. I've got a lot going on. I've got time constraints. I've got you know responsibilities, all of that. But if you did something that changed that and gave me more time, gave me more of whatever, I'm... My heart's intention, Jesus, is to give everything that you give me the power and ability to give. I wanted this. If you find a way to bring that to me, then what I was going to use for that, I'm going to put over here, and I'm going to put it in somebody's life. Sometimes it wouldn't be better for you to put it in the tithe and offering. Sometimes it would be better for you to take it to them personally. Probably most of the time. Take it to them. And what I mean by that is, is that you might be surprised that God dropped something in your pocket. God dropped some, something there that you're like, I didn't expect. That wasn't foreseen. But what did you do? You said, Lord, I'm opening the doorway for you to create more wealth so that I can do more in somebody else's life. I want to fulfill a need. And that's my heart's desire. So Jesus, if you would do that. And you might be amazingly surprised that God takes your little, your two loaves and fishes, so to speak, and he takes it and he makes a whole lot out of it because you keep giving it to him. Because you keep surrendering it to him. Lord, this isn't mine. This is all yours. And I want to give. Now imagine that. Now I would love to see this. Finally, Jesus, I get to see you. Finally, I get that one, I get that glimpse of you in glory. That finally all the toils of life are being repaid in this moment and just looking at you. I don't even have to have heaven to be completely satisfied because just an instance, if I were to die and lose and never get to see again, this moment was it all for me, right? And on that moment, you get to say, you get to have this piece. There's a part of that list. Top of that list is somebody that you serve. But on the subcategory of that list, or maybe that's the subcategory, this is the actual category on that list, is that you ask Jesus to help you do that. And what Jesus did is he enabled you to do more than you thought you could. Now, that's a beautiful piece to it because I think that that's, like, that's, that's God's greatest pleasure is to enable us to do more than we thought we could do. More than we thought we could do. And I think that's when it says we're rich in good works because I don't think the outcome is what God cares about the most. How they behave towards you with it. I think what God cares about the most is that the intent of your heart was fully to engage in. Lord, I am so full of love to serve you well that whatever they do with this is not as precious as important to me is. Will you be loved by me through this? Will you honored? Will you be glorified? Will you truly be the king of kings as far as I'm concerned? Regardless of what happens? That is what we're talking about. I think that is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 45. I think that's what Jesus was pointing us to. Like, serving Jesus is one of the best things. You know what? I, I'm going to say this one thing. I'm going to close. I promise. I will close. I will finally close. I, the shorter I put the, make these sermons out, the longer they end up being. But um, now I lost track of what I was saying. You're like, good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, if it comes to mind, I guess.
I'm, I want to make an opportunity for you to worship the Lord a little bit more this morning just before we go downstairs. I want to give you an opportunity to express your heart's love and inspiration in this morning of God. I really want this week, I want this week to be that dynamic week of change for me in some of these areas of life. And whatever it is, I mean, your heart, your life is really what God wants the most. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that before we do. So, um, uh, Tina, if you wouldn't mind coming up. I'm going to have Tina, we've got some worship, just as we normally do. Uh, you come.